Welcome, my name is Dan Morgan, and thank you for tuning in to the Podcast Potables Network, home of both Process Potables and The Brew Coats. We are proud to be part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family. You can find all things Underground Sports Philadelphia on Twitter, at UndergroundPHI. We would also like to thank Design Tree for being a partner of the Podcast Potables Network. You can find shirts from us and much, much more at designtree.com and at designtree on Twitter. We are on social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Process Potables. Thank you to everybody for listening, and please, if you haven't already, subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. We'll get you right into the episode in just a minute, but first, our friends in the presence of wolves. Running back in the van has both of his middle fingers up and said, Fuck you, bitch, three times. So then the timeout goes, and I go in the stands to confront him. I say, Don't be disrespectful. That calm. Be a man. I'm, I'm a man before anything, and be a fan. And his response was, I'm sorry, I just wanted a frosty. Because if you miss two free throws, I guess the fans get a frosted. So that's what happened, and I walked back. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Process Potables. My name is Dan Morgan, joined as always by my co-host, Steve Jones. This episode is episode number 45. I'm sorry, I just wanted a frosty. Steve, it's Sunday morning. It's about 8.40 a.m. Huge birds game today. Sixers win last night. Beer's already poured. How you feeling, and what are we drinking? Feeling good, feeling great, and it's about to get better. Uh, what we're drinking today is the infamous Wawa collab with 2SP Brewing Company. They're straight out of Ashton, PA. Uh, I think the one time I went there, that was before a Union game, so it's close to the stadium there. Uh, this is the Winter Reserve Coffee Stout, 6% APV, um, and apparently it tastes like Wawa coffee, which... As we've talked about multiple times, we are not coffee drinkers, but when it comes to coffee and beer, we definitely are. My first takeaway, I mean, this isn't the first time I had. I went out and grabbed two four-packs of this on a, on a trip I had to take about a week ago. First of all, this is very hard to get. It's only at select stores, and right. there's a very limited quantity of it. So I was very excited to get it. Last year, they did this, and it was gone immediately from everywhere. That allegedly had it this year. I think they did a couple different styles. Uh, I know. I think they had like either an aged or just like a straw or more like a uh, like a stout kind of version that was in 750 milliliter bottles. And oh, okay. they didn't have it when I went, but I saw the price tag. It's like 25 bucks for a bottle, so it was no joke. Uh, so couldn't get my hands on that, but did get a couple of these. As far as you, you said everything we always say, we're not coffee guys, so I can't claim to know whether this tastes like Wawa's Winter Reserve coffee, but what I can tell you is it's very good, and we are a big fan of coffee beers. This isn't the best coffee beer that I've had. I think that still easily is the Flying Fish, uh, that Caramel Espresso Porter, but that's like really sweet, and like it's like espresso, not just like coffee, which again, as not like 
you know, savants of, of coffee and stuff. I don't even know that I know the real difference, but I know that I would probably, (laughs) like, if I don't like anything, espresso probably is more palatable than coffee. But this is, like, the strongest coffee flavor I think I've ever had in a beer. Like, that shit hits you hard, and you get a ton of it. You get very little, like, I get a little bit of a brown ale kind of taste from it, too, but I'm really not getting any beer taste. Like, some coffee stuff is like, hey, this is a beer with some coffee flavor, this is like this is a, cu- a cup of black coffee to me. Yeah, and I wonder because I know when you know people who are big time coffee drinkers, a lot of them they they love Wawa, but they hate Starbucks and Dunkin' or vice versa. You know, a lot of people when it comes to their coffee, they're very particular about it. So I wonder if this is one reason why this is like a limited release because they're just trying to cater to the people who really like that coffee and i guess if you really like wawa coffee this is definitely a beer for you i think one they're they're still testing out the market for it but clearly i would think based on what appears to be their success you could very easily see wawa getting more into this kind of market because it seems to exist and i'm sure people would be willing to work with them the other thought to this coming out around the same time every year, my guess is that that Winter Reserve one probably is one of the better ones pairing with a beer, and it's Winter Reserve. I think they only right. have it this time of year, so I don't know that they would be able to brew that style the whole year because I don't think the coffee. I think the coffee is seasonal. A lot of their flavors are seasonal, like they normally yeah. have their regular, their decaf, and I guess like probably one or two with like a French vanilla and a hazelnut or something. I'm trying to think back to seven years of working there, but <laughs> I was pretty hungover most of the time, if we're being honest. Fair enough. But yeah, the Winter Reserve, I, I'd imagine, was probably like three months tops that they probably have it there, and that's probably the same time that they get it. And I don't know, my coffee's made from beans and stuff, so maybe the beans they use in that are, are seasonal. I'm talking completely out of my ass Probably, right now, no yeah. So, sounds, sounds accurate. Go Birds. Um, go Birds. Now, is this like... Are these beers you can only buy them in PA or something weird like that? Or are they they real? they were distributed. Whether they got, I think I, I think a buddy of mine said that he saw them actually at the uh, I don't know what it's called, but the, the liquor store that's in the shop right in Sewell. Oh, okay. on like is that Egg Harbor or Green Tree Road? Right, right, two, okay. Which is by by all accounts, I think I've been there once. By it's not that far from my house. By all accounts, they always have everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm t- told they have several. Bourbon County variants. I'm told that they had this. Now, I don't know. This is what I heard. So it was distributed, but it seems like even the distribution was even less than the stores had. Now, the store I went to was out there, probably in like Aston or something, like pretty close to, to 2SP, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And they had a ton of it. So I don't know. Maybe it's oh, not okay. as hard to get this year. Nice. But like I said, it sounds like all the other variants. I think there were like, I think there were three to four different ones they did. They only had this. So. Last year, I think it was only this, and this year it seems like they branched out a little more, tried some different things. So, who knows? You know, in the in the future, this keeps going, and you know, if Wawa wants to to jump on over and work with us, or or needs a little bit of promotion, you know, we're your boys. What's up? Yeah, they're already a couple steps ahead of uh, Sheets. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, I I've actually had Sheets in the last three months. I've had more Sheets than Wawa, which is insane because I live in New Jersey. But just the nature of my work and the jobs I've had to take. I I generally have been going to the same place in like Harrisburg and like 
a half a block from where I go is a Sheets, and I got to drive like two and a half, three hours out there. So at that point, man, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I need to stretch, stretch the old legs. I'm not ready to have that conversation, but I have enjoyed my, my trips there so far. So I've only had it once, and I, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, but I'm, I, I'm not going to be that guy. Well, we're, we're not those guys. You can enjoy both people. That's true. We're that's just saying. That's a great point. <laughs> just like hopefully we're going to enjoy the Eagles today as well as enjoy basking in a Sixers win. And, and I don't know. So they beat Washington last night. You can say, oh, it's Washington, but Washington beat us earlier as we know the Sixers continue to struggle in D.C. Wizards come here and the Sixers win handily 125-108. Before we break down the game itself, just, you know, they're coming off a three-game losing streak. People think the sky is falling, which is the same thing that happened the last time they had a three-game losing streak. Yep. And as we know from that, those memories quickly were erased by a lot of winning and hopefully we're on that track now. So my question to you before we break down this game specifically is, from this game and from what you've seen the prior three, is the ship righted or is this just a good team beating a bad team? And we don't know yet. Part of me wants to take the easy way and say a little bit of both, but I, I think we're we're going to right the ship. What I keep telling myself is before the season even started, we just kept saying how with how the starting lineup is constructed and how unorthodox it is, it's going to take a lot of time to for guys just to figure out how to play with each other. Things like the spacing is still an issue and you know defensive effort as well. But I, I think it's been righted. What's different about this three-game losing streak as opposed to the last one is that they ran into the issue of the zone defense. So I think going forward – They'll, they'll be better prepared for that because they just – the reason why they didn't win that Miami game is just because they, they didn't know what to do. And, you know, playing their strengths offensively was um, was shut down by that zone defense. So I think they'll probably see a little more. And then I, but I think, you know, in hope going forward, Brett just better prepares the team, you know, game plan for that. And, you know, I think it's just, again, these guys learning how to play with each other. It's just going to take longer than we'd like. So, but I, th- I, th- I think we're, we're, I think we're going to be fine. So the struggles with the zone have been talked about a lot. So my question to you in regards to that would be, do you think that the issues with them that they've had against the zone are the coaching and a lack of preparation, or do you think it's a lack of execution? Because the way you said it made it sound like you think that they weren't ready for it. And my interpretation in watching three games now where we've seen it be employed, starting with the Heat game, is not that they don't know how to beat it. It's that guys were missing shots and guys were making bad decisions, which the bad decision thing they've been doing regardless of the zone. That hasn't changed right. anything. And that's all the more reason that it makes sense that teams would go to a zone because this is a team that, that makes so many unforced errors that the other team doesn't have to jump the passing lane. These guys are going to leave their feet and throw bad passes and they're going to dribble out the shot clock and and dribble it off their foot and give it and give it back. I just I don't I don't see this being an issue of Brett not knowing how to beat it or telling the players how to beat it. I mean, the these are guys that have been playing basketball their entire life. It's a 2-3 zone. Yeah, and, I think and- they all understand things that can beat it. They just either weren't doing it or they were missing shots. And I think that was especially evident in the Mavericks game. They missed so many good looks. Right. And in the Miami game, this was really 
Tobias Harris's first really bad game offensively. And to be honest, I'm not that I'm okay with it, but it's like, okay, he, he's just been so good the past well, that's why you, month you or can so. be okay with it. Yeah, he, he I'm can okay be okay with it. with it. Yeah, so, and, and, and you're definitely right. Like, not that, you know, it falls on Brett to get him better prepared to play his own. Because let's be honest, especially in that Miami game, what I said on Twitter, it was basketball for idiots 101, <laughs> two threes. Like, dude, that, when we played middle school ball, like, if you weren't playing men, you know, you were playing two three zone when, you know, basically every other team was running like a Princeton offense. Like, that's just, at least for us, that's what was growing up. Well, yeah, like half very... the kids can't even, like, throw a three. Like, they don't have the arm strength. Right. So, why are you going to defend beyond the arc? So, and. You see it a lot in college, and guys don't stay in college as long. But still, just growing up playing basketball, you don't, you know, you you, you encounter it. That's something that just should just come back to you. The one thing, though, that it, I don't want to say it went viral, but it did on Sixers Twitter in the Miami game. There was that one where Al Horford was at the top of the key, and Ben was posting up on the high post, and then and Embiid was, was in posting. the low post. So you know does that fall on brett like not really that was just like a sloppy game and you know so i'm i think again it's just a, a lot of it fault has to do with these guys just you know playing better together and you know as, as they see the more you know the more zone i think they'll encounter it much better and i don't I don't think it's going to necessarily, you know, stick around. Like, because I know some people are predicting, oh, maybe this is the, you know, the future. This is where the, the game's going. Yeah, this is like the blueprint. But I think once we get beyond that, I, I just think this is like, you know, stick in the mud more or less. Like, I mean, it's going to be something the teams continue to throw, and they're going to throw it when whatever their you know normal sets aren't working, because they have to adjust. They have to try and throw a wrench in the gears, and that makes sense. You saw last night in the Washington game, though, that when they beat it several times, they have to revert. It's it's the same idea that when what they're doing doesn't work, they try this. But if you beat it, they won't stick to it. Exactly. And it's just a matter of guys hitting shots. I really, I think we get so frustrated and we get so upset. And believe me, like we're we both we both go through the motions of that all the time. But we just got to calm down. It's it's December. And for what it's worth, I will say that I believe uh, Brian Jacobs from the Painted Lines had said this, and I, and I got to give him credit. Like, Spolster threw that out in December. Like, it's really great right. that teams are doing it now. We're going to be prepared. And other than that, like, there's not really much out like outside-the-box things that a defense can really do to you. Like, if you think about, you know, like, we're – talking in a much more simple sense of basketball. But, like, what are the three things that a team can really kind of switch up in a game defensively that could occasionally give you fits? Well, they throw double teams in the post, right. which we already see a ton of, and we know Embiid has to get better at, but I think he's shown signs. Yeah, he's gone but That's probably the one takeaway from this stretch. Sure. They can go to a zone, which we're seeing right now, and clearly it has been working for the other teams for now, but... You know, last night hopefully is a sign of better things to come in that regard, being able to force teams out of that and punish them for doing it. And three is like, you know, a full court press. And we saw Toronto do that and we struggled with that. And we still haven't really seen much evidence that, you know, we we have overcome that. But that hasn't lost us a game yet either. 
Right. So while it was a little bit ugly to watch, I mean, they were do Toronto had to revert to that because of the fact that they were down so much late, and it was really their only chance to get back in. And, and credit to them, they almost did. But I, you know, I don't want to harp on that game. But those are the three simplest things that that really come to mind, and we've already seen it. So while we will continue to find flaws in the way this team plays offense more so than their defense, for sure, it's interesting to see that we're what are we, 31 games in at this point? And teams have already kind of thrown every single different thing they can think to do to stop us. And if we were that inefficient and poor of an offense, do you think they would really have to employ all these different strategies to stop us? I I don't. So I think that it's a pretty good sign that we're forcing teams to try to make these adjustments so early. One, it means you've been doing something right and that you're a threat. And two, you're getting to see these wrinkles and getting to figure out how to adjust what you need to do if and when they come at you again with these looks. Yeah, it's much better seeing it now than in you know April, May, or June. And I would even argue this even goes back uh, two years ago when we played uh, Boston in the playoffs, and when that's when they stopped Ben. I, I know. Um, Brad Stevens would scream wall 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 like th- that was really a zone if you think about it like at least a you know the front court defense the, the way they just right it was, it was a, the, so, the two of the two three would collapse to the foul exactly. line and that's that's all it was you're exactly right. right it was a two three zone and it was meant to deny Ben Simmons penetration to the rim and because Ben Simmons when he doesn't get his first read can often look lost, that's that's essentially what shut him down that series, was he didn't know what to do. He had never seen anybody be able to deny him the getting within like 10 feet of the rim and either kicking it out or, or going to the basket, and he never adjusted. And we're talking a lot about Brett Brown and what he can do, can't do, and everything. I mean, he can't force Ben Simmons to do everything perfect. Like, I think that Ben Simmons' issues are a lot of his stubbornness and, and, yes. his, and his game, and no coach is going to change that. I understand if you think that, like, at this point, maybe him and Brett aren't aren't the pair that's going to work for him, but I hate to bring it to you. I don't know who else is. Right, and a lot of people like to bring up that they have a history, he knew his dad, blah, 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 like, fine. Like, but when you have that kind of foundation and relationship – if Brett Brown can't reach Ben Simmons, well, like who is? Yeah, that that was going to be my question because I know we talked about this a couple of days ago because you know I'm not going to mention who said it, but somebody said something along the lines of that you know it's an indictment on Brett Brown that he can't get through the Ben Simmons because of his history with him, and I don't know maybe I'm crazy, but my thought is that if you're saying that Brett Brown is a lifelong friend of his family, knew his father, has known Ben his entire life and is now his head coach for several years, and that Ben doesn't listen to him, I think that's a problem with Ben, not with Brett. Exactly. And I'm not saying that he doesn't. And I'm not, I'm not trying to indicate that I think there's any strain on that relationship. No. But if you're going to place fault on the Brett Brown-Ben Simmons relationship and you know somebody not getting through to the other, I think it's on Ben. I think it's either like a lack of respect for authority or just bullish stubbornness that obviously is something that makes him great, but is going to limit the level of that greatness if he doesn't figure it out. Right. No, I definitely agree. So wrapping up the Washington game, you know, I, I, I think that 
I can't explain our struggles in DC, but as far as whether we've righted the ship or not, I mean, I think this is a, a good team beating a bad team and, you know, a three game losing streak that you just couldn't let go any further against a team as bad as this. Uh, Davis Bertans 0 for 7 from 3 after cooking us the last time. You you just love to see it. Yep. And we saw Andres Pasheshniks play in the Wells Fargo Center. Did you ever think the day would come? I, I really didn't think so because I, I remember when we drafted him, the whole argument was, well, he played alongside of um, Chris Stops. Yeah, Chris Stops. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they're from the same country and whatever, and then it's like, like Latvia. Yeah, so it's like, oh, hit, you know, and you know, some people are like, oh, you know, we we should have draft, drafted Chris Ops instead of Okafor, blah 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 blah. Well, but this guy's similar, and I I remember, not that I watch a lot of you know YouTube draft videos or anything like that, but I just looked at him like, ooh, he looks soft. Like this this guy is an NBA player, and yet. Of all the teams, I guess it makes sense he ends up on the Wizards. Um, he had three fouls in the first quarter, and he had four by the end of the second. And I just couldn't get – I don't know why, and I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but I couldn't get past how Mark Zumoff pronounced his name completely different than how everyone, everyone else has been pronouncing it. I mean, they get – so I can tell you from experience, not the, not the big time here or anything, but sure. <laughs> that in like, the, in like the media guide, you get the pronunciation guides for the names. Right. So I don't know if the whole time we thought we had it and now like I guess he's been – had to give it to, you know, the Washington, you know, like media – team or whatever so that they can put it in these guides so like i would imagine this came from him so right. this must be the way that he either wants it said or that it said but yeah i mean we for the longest time you know had to figure it out and you know i'm just gonna keep saying it the, the only way i can oh, figure yeah. out how to get it out of, out of my mouth because the same thing kind of happened with sarich too like i think it was a sharich or whatever sharich and no one pronounced it yeah, that way it's, yeah it's screw sarich. that i can't do but that. i couldn't help i was cracking up because in the fourth quarter i heard uh, Matt Cord, who's a, the PA guy at the Wells Fargo Center, he pronounced it as a Pesheznik, the way everyone else. And then he said that right after uh, the way Zumoff he pronounced it as Pashadnitz. Yeah, I, something like I that. Can't do it. Yeah, I. You give me ten tries, and I don't think I get it. No, once. so. Um, but you're you're Pesheznik's as far as I'm concerned. My, my only thing, the only thing. The argument for me, as far as just you know, us beating a bad team, it's nice that Bertans didn't go off against us. Uh, but uh, Isaiah Thomas did get his, you know, once we our lead got up to twenty three towards the end of the second quarter, Isaiah Thomas uh, did start to to cook a little bit. But yeah, he got to the line nine times, which seems like the funny part to me about that is we're so big and we talk about it all the time about size and we're going to bully. And I feel like that was just a matter of, well, he's so goddamn small yeah. and we feel bad. And literally anytime he's touched by anyone who plays on our team, it's going to look really bad. Like imagine him. I mean, what is he? He's not even six foot. Is no, he? he's five, nine. Yeah. He's like pretty like Furcon Corkmans is like six, six. Like, well, and it's funny you bring up, uh, Corkman's as comparison because in the sec, I think it was second or third quarter, there there was that foul where um where Thomas he shot the three, shot the three, and like at a first glance, I'm like, 
That's a foul, right, but then exactly. when the re- but replay, Cole Mize, like held himself up, didn't even touch him. No, d- didn't even breeze him, and I was just like, "All right, Thomas." Like, like <laughs> he he basically, you know, when a guy like gets a guy in the air and then leans into him, he did that to his own teammate setting a screen. Yeah, and they called a foul on Corkmaz as egregious. Yeah, yeah. I, wa- I watched it late egregious. last night when I got home, and I also split watching it with Eddie Murphy's SNL nice. episode in the middle. So. Uh, I wrapped the game up at like 2 a.m., but yeah, that was that was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. And listen, I am—I probably shouldn't even say it because I feel like this can never go well. But I have to say it because I've been at so many games this season already, and obviously I've, I think I've watched all but two of them. I—I I don't even have her name. I should probably look it up. But but that official, that girl official, every single game that I've seen her at. She gets three to four calls ridiculously wrong. Yeah. Like, all the refs are bad. All of them. All the male refs are bad, too. But, man, like, I don't know if I've seen so – like, there, there was an out-of-bounds call where the guy, like, deflected it out of Tobias' hands. Right, yeah. And the arena lost it. And they had to, like – the other refs had to override her decision because she called it for Washington. And they were they didn't even challenge it. The other refs were like, no, 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 no. Like, had to do that. Like – I wonder, I wonder if that's difficult for like Brett Brown or any coach to like, like you like I love. This is unrelated, but I was ta- talking last night to our engineer Corey, who who was watching. He watched the first half of the replay with me, and we watched SNL. I was talking about how I really think that Brett has shown a lot more. Like he's been a lot more animated, and he's petitioned a lot more. And he's getting in refs' ears more, and he's like more fired up. Which one, I think, definitely comes with the fact that I think he knows his job is right. on the line potentially, fair or unfair. Two, like this team absolutely has title aspirations, so he knows that like every everything matters more than it did. Not that he wasn't you know trying or anything the past two years in playoffs runs, but this year we all know this year's different. But. I wonder if like that dynamic is is still something. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be a little bit awkward and and a bit of a learning curve because like you, it's the same thing. Me talking about like I don't want to say the wrong thing because I'm not trying to. It's not my point. Right. Like it's not about her gender. It's about her making a lot of very bad calls, and you know I, maybe it's subconscious bias that I I see it more with her. But I swear to God, like. In two or three t- games that I can definitely remember her being, and that all just from going and being in the building, that I can tell you that every game that she has officialed that 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 I can recall her even being there, I have noticed at least two to three like pretty pretty bad calls yeah. that are just like phantom fouls, and you can see it in the players' faces too. Like it, Ben Simmons had one last night. Now this wasn't this wasn't her call for the record, so not harping on that anymore. But there was another call last night where. I'm trying to think if it was – it might have been Poseshniks or it might have been Bertans, but Ben was driving, and they just hacked him across the wrist and the ball, and the ball went out. And they called it out of bounds and gave oh, it to the right, Sixers. right, yeah. He was driving to the rim, and Ben, like, lost his – like, he yeah, almost he, ran into the tunnel. Yeah, he, he flipped out. <laughs> and you're just seeing I, – I see a lot of frustration – Ironically, I see a lot of frustration from him and Tobias Harris a lot on their calls and not Joel Embiid, who I feel like so far is still the guy getting like less calls than he should more than anybody else. Right. Like, Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons both have a little bit of like a knack for not getting calls, 
But Ben's problem is he shies away from contact a lot and doesn't drive enough. And I think if he did it more, he'd get the volume of calls that he wants. And Tobias, I think they're still adjusting to the fact that he's really become a driver because you're so used to him just being like a spot-up guy that he's still kind of earning. Like You shouldn't have to, but you kind of have to earn being a guy that like yeah. drives and fights through contact. The upside for Tobias is I swear to God, every time that he gets fouled going to the rim, he doesn't miss. It's always and one. Right. Like Ben Simmons, every time it's not and one, it feels like. And Joel yeah. Embiid, it's like, you know, give and take. And with Ben Simmons, when it is and one, he misses it's a not, shot. It's not. You don't get the one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's frustrating. But, man, a lot of weird things last night. The last thing I have on this one is Joel Embiid is the only starter who was a negative and plus minus in this game somehow at negative three. Hmm. Where Trey Burke, Matisse Stiebel, and Furkan Korkmaz all off the bench are respectively plus 14, plus 19, plus 15. It didn't feel when watching it that when Embiid was out there that that wasn't the best lineup for the Sixers. And obviously, like, I think he played well. Like, I don't really care about plus minus in this scenario that much, unlike, you know, the guy who was all in my face about Josh Richardson's plus minus against right. the Heat, but we won't talk about that. Or maybe we will, but, you know, plus minus is, is, is fun sometimes to try and figure out. But, like, this is a case where, you know, watching Embiid, I, I didn't think at all that, that that would have been the case for him. And then the opposite side, it's very hard to imagine a world where Trey Burke and Furkan Korkmaz are both plus 14 and 15. Right. Um, but it leads me, before we kind of, you know, lump that losing streak together and, and talk about that a little more, one of the big things that develop over basically the last two nights is Trey Burke getting more run than Howell Neto, who I thought had been playing pretty decently, but he definitely was was slowing down uh, over a couple of games leading up to last night and tonight. And you know, there's there's been a, a contingent of people the whole season, and and I was very hype on Trey Burke in the summer, and then when he he got his first little run in November. He was getting about 18 minutes a game in November. I just didn't really think that it was working. And then the whole disgruntled thing came out with his dad saying they got to get him out and Kylo Quinn liking his dad's Instagram yeah. and, and whatever the hell all that was. But, you know, now he gets another shot and it, and it looks like he's playing pretty well. You know, he's the type of guy that especially we talked about the zone so much like He's a guy that can absolutely just shred the zone on his own because he'll pull up from anywhere. He can drive and get his shot. Like he's, you know, the only guy on this team that you is legitimately like get any shot he wants anywhere, pretty much. What are your thoughts going forward? I mean, this is a, a, a you know another small sample size, another small flash in the pan, if you will. But some good stuff from Trey Burke. If if you've got to only pick one of these two going forward at this point, do you, do you have? A decision, or do you think that you need to see more? I need to see more, but what's interesting is I don't know how much more we're going to see because I know one thing I kept uh, finding online was I think January 9th, is it? I think it's like the 14th or 15th. Okay, yeah. Where Trey Burke's contract gets fully guaranteed. Fully guaranteed. And I know for a while we were saying, you know, he could be someone who could be waived, and when it comes to uh, 
buyout market season. Maybe we get someone else. I'm not sure if we're going to find someone with Trey Burke's skill set in the buyout market. Because in a buyout market, it seems like everyone just keeps bringing up, you, you know, um, these 3 and D guys, people like um, Bogdanovich or things like that. Oh, Bogdanovich won't be bought out. No, he'll, he'll get traded, but guys like that. But I'm not seeing anyone with Trey Burke's skill set. I think if I had to choose between him or Neto, I think I go Trey Burke just again because if we keep seeing these uh, zone defenses thrown out our way, he's going to probably be our – he's going to be a much better uh, matchup with that than Howell Neto. And at the beginning of the season, I really liked Howell Neto. He just – he seemed to always hit open threes and things like that. But um, that – and besides a couple of hustle plays, that, that's all I really see from him. So it, it's just hard because – when they when one or the other plays, it's kind of like you know the hockey mentality of riding with the hot hand. You know, Halonetto had his string of games where he looked pretty good, and then he was bad, and then they just threw in Trey Burke. So, yeah, I see the hot hand thing is what's interesting because I kind of like having the option because I feel like they're very different players, and like you said, Neto has looked very good from three for the most part. He's he's hit a lot of them at a good clip. I think he's a much more traditional point guard, and I, I really thought up until you know this, this most recent stretch that he had actually been playing very well. He is not the creator that Trey Burke is. He's not the scorer that Trey Burke is. And I, I give Trey Burke credit because in, in all the minutes that I've seen him play this season, like we know he's not a good defender. We know he's small. But he does look a lot more engaged on that end than I thought he would be for the reputation that he had, but he's not good still. Like, I appreciate him trying, right. and hopefully that, like, for all the outside noise and everything, like, it doesn't seem like it's getting to him when he's on the court. He seems invested. He seems bought in. Like, I love all of that. I, I love the idea of being able to ride the hot hand because I think there's times you're going to want one and there's times you're going to want the other. The problem is is that they just need another piece on that bench, and I don't know who else they can really afford to get rid of that it seems very likely one of them is going to have to go just to open up right. a spot for somebody else. And, I mean, if Trey Burke keeps playing like this, it has to be him. The question is, can he really do it? I mean, 12 points in 15 minutes last night on 5 of 6 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3. Uh, even, that, you know, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, only 1 turnover, and plus 14. Like, it's a hell of a line for the guy right. off the bench. Like, I'll take that every night. Absolutely, and, and, but... Can he sustain it? Yeah, and I'm not sure. And, you know, in the playoffs, I, I don't know that he's playable in the playoffs. Like He's a no. guy that can get hunted. We, we've seen in the past years with guys like J.J. Redick and T.J. McConnell. Like, he's a guy they're going to go after, and are you going to be able to live with that? I mean, I, I don't know that Neto is much better. I just don't think that he he's a little bit bigger, so I don't know that he gets hunted as much, and I think he's an average defender. Actually, though, I, I will say, though, we could go back with uh, – Neto and Burke all day, but I just want to know what the hell did Kyle Quinn do to be in the doghouse? I don't know. Like I really don't know. <laughs> like I, mean, I, I, I like seeing Norvell Pell, but I don't do we want to see him as much as we have? I mean, I think that's <laughs> I think that's more what it is. I don't think Kyle Quinn did anything. I think they just Pell does so much he's so much more familiar with the scheme as far as playing the role the same role Embiid does defensively because it's what he's been learning to do his entire time with the Bluecoats. So that part I get. 
and he's definitely already a better rim protector than Kyle Quinn. I mean, Kyle Quinn, for the record, yeah. like we've seen great flashes. He's a great passer. He can shoot a little bit. I think he's an average defender, but Kyle Quinn's like a six nine center. Yeah, he and, is, a and he's on not the a size. shot blocker. And we're forcing teams to pretty much match up and go big with us because we have Simmons and Horford and Embiid, and, and maybe there's just something to not feeling comfortable with your rotation bringing in a Kyle O'Quinn at 6'9 who can't guard the rim because this team's defensive identity is funneling shooters to that center player as a defender. And I think Brett's just really trying to see if he thinks Norval Pell can be that guy. And the other thing is, you know, we're talking about Burke and Neto and thinking one of them has to be the way they free up a roster spot. Well, I mean, you have three centers in, in Pell and technically Horford and Embiid. You know, maybe maybe their thought is they don't need four, and O'Quinn's maybe more expendable than either backup point guard. Like we said, there, yeah. there there could be value in having both of them, and maybe you know you're getting Pell run now just to find out if you would feel comfortable moving on from Kyle O'Quinn. I'm not saying that I agree with that, but I get it, and I definitely don't think that they need Pell and O'Quinn on this roster, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. Let, let alone do I really know if they need it that much down the stretch. I think you could get by. And, and I mean, Norval Pell's not going anywhere. That That's the thing. I don't, right. I don't think he's a guy. One, he doesn't really have much value outside of this because he's like 26, 27 already. And his big value is knowing your system and having been in your organization for so long and having him under control and, and cheap at that. So that would be my thoughts to why he's getting the run. And the fact that they haven't already immediately been like, okay, that didn't work. We're going back to Kylo Quinn, is good for Norvell Pell, and it, and it's a good showing for that. I th- I think he's looked just fine. It's definitely not promising for Kylo Quinn. So uh, it very very well could be that it's not really. Hey, who's staying out of Burke and Neto? Could be are both of them staying? In, and Kylo Quinn is going. And Kylo Quinn would have value. There are a lot of teams that could use a center. Yeah. So even though we're saying that we we can kind of understand. You know his faults and deficiencies. There are plenty of teams that would kill to have him be their regular backup center, and I'm sure that's what he probably wants too. He said all the right things at his introductory press conference that he knows that you know he's a role player and he's here to fill whatever role. But I think it's pretty obvious he didn't think that his role was going to be the fourth center. Exactly. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. So Friday night, everyone was upset, including myself, because one. I held on to those tickets to go see Luca. Oh, right. <laughs> and high ankle sprain keeping him out, which is unfortunate. But you figure, all right, no Luca, easy win. Not the case. Nope. Sixers lose 117 to 98 to the Mavs, and a bunch of guys that I really didn't know looked pretty good. One of note Jalen Brunson gets the start, former Nova guy, who, again, like, it's kind of annoying to me as a guy who definitely doesn't give a shit about Villanova and really doesn't give a shit about college basketball in general to hear these guys get like again it's the same as any player coming back right you know, pre-game you want to give them a, a little round of applause whatever they, they come into the game or like at the tip off because he's starting like you want to you want to be happy like he's made it cool once he starts playing the game against your team and he makes a shot fuck him don't give a fuck no like it I I can't stress it enough they're not on the team. They don't get anything. They're the enemy. And he's a plus 19. He's the best in the game. Yeah. Like, he had a lot to do with why you lost this game, and you cheered him. Like, stop it. I hate Please that. Please stop yeah. it. Yeah. 
that needs to stop. And but, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. having man, the best the hell, quarter. Man. Yeah, having the best quarter of it because after that first quarter, he pretty much sucked. And uh, I mean, he had a couple in the fourth, but yeah, yeah I mean, but he, he, he lit up the first. He disappeared, and then he just made sure that they finished it. Yeah. Again, just the uh, well. Usually, what we're used to seeing is you know a, a shooting guard having his career game against the Sixers. At, at least we only held him to one quarter. Yeah, I guess. I mean, usually that like they're slashing us too. Like that's what we've seen when we've talked about repeatedly over and over. I mean, he was just he was just pulling heat check after heat check and hitting them. He was seven of eleven for three in the game. It's so frustrating that this always happens, man. It's always some guy that hasn't done anything. That's just like, oh, I'm playing the Sixers. Let me let me turn it on tonight. And then Porzingis, at the beginning of that game, I loved what they were doing defensively because they actually had Horford on Porzingis man-to-man. And then anytime he got within about 10 feet, Embiid was coming to double. Like They were pretty much saying, like, anyone can beat us but Porzingis. And credit to the Mavericks, other people did. Porzingis was not going off early. No. But here's the thing that was frustrating to me was any time that Horford wasn't out there and Embiid had Porzingis, Embiid had no fucks to give yeah. about Porzingis stretching out to three, and he shot the lights out. It, it, it felt like, or not even to three, but like stretching even from like deep twos. Like We know it, the role on the defense is for Embiid to sit back, and they kind of allow those shots, but Porzingis isn't the guy to do it with. Right. He shot better than 50% in the game, 10 of 19 from the field. He only went 2 of 6 from 3. I swear that that... Yeah. It, it felt like more. It was, it was kind of ironic because it, it reminded me of uh, stretches from last year when we had Boban out. Every team, what did they do? They just stretched your center out to the top of the key, and he was just slow and just – and, you know, obviously Boban uh, making his return. That's why it was ironic. But, yeah, that that was frustrating, irony, man. But... Yeah. Uh, it was really nice. I mean, I'm, I know this was all all over the internet and everything, but it was really nice to see Mike Scott and Tobias Harris and and, and pretty much everybody really uh, welcome Boban back and all the hugs and exchanges and stuff. There's a, the fun little thing with Tobias like pretending to slap him, yeah, and Boban selling him and stuff. Little things that you know, in in a loss, you just take take little joys away from and realize that this team is still going to win over 50 games. So. It, it it still was just frustrating to see them. Like I said, I understood that they couldn't keep doing that with Porzingis once. You know, it's the same thing we talk about with the zone. Like this is the thing: is your your non stars when teams adjust to take the star away are going to have to hit their shots. Like if the Mavericks don't shoot that well, they don't win that game. Right. That's all it is. They got looks. We've been getting looks. You can you can look at them winning this game. Is, is the inverse of the games that we were losing, is we were making the right plays to beat what was being thrown at us, but the shots weren't falling. I think that's what it all ties back to. That and can we really beat Dallas twice in a weekend? I don't think... If they have to lose that just, game for the win today, exactly. then absolutely. I don't, think, I don't think the sports gods would allow that. I don't, so. I don't, I don't know about like blood Whatever. sacrifices and rituals <laughs> and whatnot, but if this was the sacrificial lamb for... For today's W, then so be it. Sure, it, it had to be. <laughs> and and you talked about it earlier. I mean, this was this was the Tobias Harris dud. Uh, I think this was a worse game for him than like that stretch where he was like oh of twenty two or whatever from three. Like that was just his three point shooting. He was doing a lot of other things well. Seven points in thirty two minutes. Zero for four from three. Three of eleven from the field. Only got to the line three times. Two rebounds. Two assists. And a minus twenty eight. 
Yeah, that's like just not his night. And not good. and and we talked about it earlier, but just to hit it again, like if, if that's if that's the outlier for him, I'm fine. Yeah, it's the same thing when we talk about that Brooklyn loss last Sunday. Like they had just won five in a row. They had played five games in seven days. That was like I guess six and nine, or that was the the five and seven. I, I don't remember, but they had played a ton of games in a small stretch. I think what was the what was the Friday game before that? That was the one that I thought they were going to lose, and they won. That was the Pelicans, right? Yeah, that because was the they Pelicans had one in Boston yep. on Thursday, and they played the Pelicans back to back Friday, and I, and that seemed like the quintessential. Yeah, you went in the Boston, you won. Everyone wrote that game off, right? And and yeah. and they held on and won that. So then, I think we kind of. Uh, this is just me, maybe. I don't know if anybody else felt this way. My thought was like, oh my god, they won the game. I expected them to lose. Now, like, we're just going, and it just ended up being the next right. game. So, like that one, I completely and and Embiid didn't play. So, like that one, I kind of wrote off. I didn't have an issue with that. The Heat game, the 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 only thing I really thought about the Heat game, uh, I guess a couple things. One, they were definitely coming in with, like, everything they had because you whooped their ass oh, last yeah. time they came. So that had to be number one. You had to know that either way this was going to be close. There's no way you were doing that again. And and we saw Spolster break out the zone, which obviously was a was a retaliation from how bad they got beat the first time, that they must have not have had that, you know, ability yet to do that. And it's definitely something they had put in. The Heat game felt so out of reach, for like the entire second half, and then with like six minutes left, this team just puts their foot on the gas, and they get the look at the end that could have won it. If they had just played another like two minutes with that same intensity, yeah. they win the game, and that's frustrating. And and people will complain about that, and I get it, but it just shows that like this team foot on the gas. We've seen they have an above five hundred record against against like the elite teams. Against like I think it was like the top four in each conference or whatever they were like seven and five or something like that like they're 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 hanging with the good teams it's not like they're only beating up on bad teams their defense when everyone is locked in is like easily league best and I think Embiid's uh like the points per one hundred possessions when he's out there with the starting five is like at home is like ninety two. Which is like a historic level yeah, of defense. That's incredible. And I, I think the team at home, uh, points per 100 possessions at home is still like under 100, which in this NBA where every team's averaging 106, 110, like it is crazy to think about. It's going to be frustrating to watch the lapses in effort and, and, and heart and aggressiveness and all that stuff. But these are guys that. You know, we we know guys like Embiid and and Horford, especially like our guys that are gonna get tired, that are gonna you know have to be load managed, whatever, whatever. Josh Richardson, like I I thought Josh Richardson was complete garbage in that Heat game, and people were like, oh, he's hurt, he's hurt. It's like, okay, if you're too hurt to like be involved in the offense and you can't play, like I know he's tough, I know he's good. He looks like he's getting right back in the form. Before he had the injury, he was looking incredible. He was looking like he, he could be an all-star. He was that good. And the, that Heat game was the pinnacle of it, the first one, where he torched them, and, and, we were, and we were loving it. And in this game against the Heat where they lose, 
there were possessions in the half court where he's like on the corner arc, like five feet back, and he's just not moving, and there's yeah. nothing there. And this all comes from him saying that he hurt his wrist in Boston. Then why can't you run? Yeah, exactly. Like I get why maybe that gives you hesitancy to shoot, and he definitely had a hesitancy to shoot in that game, and it hurt them a lot, especially when that zone came in. You have to be willing to shoot against the zone. That is one way that you beat it, and he wasn't doing it. Yeah, and it's it seemed like that when both Richardson and Horford came back from time off from injuries, they looked a half a step slower, and I think that's – I know people point to Horford and say, oh, well, that's because you know, he just turned 33, and I think it's, it's not that just him playing his way back in the basketball shape. And I want to say with Richardson, he was out six or seven games. That was a hamstring injury, right? And I just know hamstrings, they always seem to be one injury where it's really hard to predict when you're 100% ready. Sure, and, definitely. And, and and I'll give them up. But when you do have a team where you have two of your starters, they aren't 100% combined with an Embiid who you have to really worry about you know, managing his load and everything. When you have three of your five starters that – you know, on a night where they're just not at a hundred percent, it's hard. You know, to to get a, a a defensive effort where they're supposed to, you know, run a team off the court. So. Right, but that's my like, especially with a hamstring. That's a great point by by you. Is take the time to to just rest more. This right. team was built to be able to afford any one guy being exactly. Out. And like they were, they had won plenty of games without him. Yeah, like Quirk Moss had his best string of games when Richardson was out. Yeah, he, he looked okay. And then, well, they started doing Mike Scott, too, and that worked. I mean, we saw yeah. that. Like, ev- everybody was stepping up in some way, shape, or form. They they could easily get by. Like, I'd rather him just get to the point where, like, it's not an excuse. And and I know he's tough, and it's great. Like, it, and if it was the playoffs, then, yeah, play through it. Like, I know you don't want to miss a game like that. It's December. Right. The same the same thing we're talking about, you know, getting these, these little caveats the teams throw at them out of the way. It's like, dude, you don't have to be a hero and play a regular season game in December. Exactly. Like Embiid, take off against the Nets and have us lose. No big deal. Josh, you're not feeling like you can play against the Heat Wednesday, dude. Take a seat. It's not. It's not that serious. Right. All right. So with the holidays coming up and everything, we want we wanted to try and think of something we could do that was like holiday related, whatever, whatever. And and Steve, you came up with something that I, I don't. I don't really know what's about to happen, and I'm a little bit scared, but. So, you know, when it comes to the the holidays, a three-game losing streak, you know, seasonal depression, uh, I turned to watching The Office, and I watched the the one episode I watched was the – the white elephant one where every, you know, it started out as a Pollyanna and everyone got specific gifts for everyone. And then, uh, Michael Scott buys a, uh, iPod video to just completely ruin it and turns it into a white Christmas. And of course, it, or, um, I'm sorry, white elephant. And it turns into everyone just wanting the iPod. So it got me thinking, um, now of course a white elephant, you know, if you don't know, everyone gets turns to, you know, choose a gift or, you know, keep it. So I know it or, would or like trade it or trade it in. So, so I came up with a, a couple of gifts in this pot, you know, for Christmas and the first pick, you know, the first uh, gift that you're, you're just going to start out with. And I, I know you, you know, you're, you really hate nostalgia yeah. and it sucks. However, you reach into the pile, baby, processpotables.com. Great article. Check it out. But 
there's uh, eight gifts right here in our white elephant today. Okay. The first gift you get. Again, we know nostalgia sucks, but this is the gift you get. You can have any former Sixer in a past decade. No salary cap restrictions. You don't have to give up. Any, you can just have whoever you want, and there's no... Am I getting them in the year that I want them, or am I getting them now? I, since we're doing, you know, the whole decade, I would say, you know, you can get them, you know, at, you know, at a certain year. Okay, then time. I... Does it have to be the year that they were a Sixer? Ooh, I would say yes. Okay. Because I was going to put some restrictions. I was going to say finals yeah. MVP Andre Iguodala. True, true. But I'll take 2012, 2013 Andre Iguodala. Okay. Easy. It's funny because one, one thing I kind of thought about doing was, you know, an all decade team. Yeah. But when I, I read through Twitter and some other articles, and basically everyone just pretty much picked and beat. Wait, 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 wait. Don't say, okay. Wait, okay. I want to. Yeah, why don't you guys sidebar? I yeah, I'll just do it. Uh, it's, it's Drew. It's JJ, Iguodala, Simmons, Embiid. So what I kind of kept seeing was, and, and I think people did this so they can encompass an entire decade and not just like the best possible starting five. I saw a lot of Embiid, Thad, Iggy, Drew Holiday, and Simmons. Yeah, personally, I'm not putting Thad in mind. Yeah, he's, personally, on, he's on my bench, but yeah, my he, team wins. Exactly, my team definitely wins. So. I think JJ is obviously JJ the best and Drew are, are spacing it well. Iguodala is hitting the shots when they actually matter. He's missing everything else. You've got huge alley oop potential between Simmons and Iguodala. Oh yeah. You have amazing defense between Drew, Iguodala, Simmons, and Embiid. That would be sick. And you have enough spacing to where you know if 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 I'm getting rookie year Ben. That maybe he just shoots a couple mid range shots and doesn't completely obliterate my half court offense. Right. Anyway, okay. So so my 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 gift in my hands right now. There's seven in the pile, but I have 2012, 2013 Andre Iguodala on my team. No cap. Correct. Okay. Now the next gift, and so again, you can either keep keep the gift you have now or get the next one. So the next gift you open up, and the card reads, "Hinky never resigns," which means that. The Colangelo's are never hired. Man, but that also means that Elton Brand isn't my GM now. Exactly. So the question is, who do I believe gets me a title? Right. Elton or Hanky. And I'm going to go ahead. I don't I don't want this one. I'm going to keep Iguodala. Okay. And, and even then, I guess I could go either way on that argument, but if it makes me give up Iguodala... That I think having that year's Iguodala helps a lot more than who my GM is. Right. I don't know if that matters. And, you know, obviously we were hinky guys, but sure. it, we, we can't really say, well, well, this would have happened or because Hinky yeah. would have never signed JJ Reddick. I mean, I'm, know, I, I have no he, idea. We really have no idea. We, we, we don't. can all We can all pretend we know, but we don't. We really don't. Like, I believe that he was ready to cash in the assets, which is what Elton Brand has done. So it's just a matter of right. do you think he would have like picked the same people and and I don't know I I I don't so that it's too hard to tell but I definitely th- I believed in Sam knowing when to flip the switch and when now and I don't believe that the Colangelo's did so like that part sucks and and erasing that might be good but the Colangelo's screwing it up also got us more assets and and you know 
other things and brought in Elton Brand, who was ready to push the chips in. So I, th- I think I'm fine with that at this point. You know, hindsight m- might change that, but uh, I, I think the the thing that that shifts the balance in this is that I'm I'm giving up the Iguodala to do it. And I I think that's too valuable. That was a really good Iguodala. And we've always said, like, we've always been Iggy guys. And the the problem with his time in Philly was he He was, was, he was the guy. And it's like, no, like he's in my my team. He's the fifth guy. Exactly. So, okay. Okay. So another person or another podcast can have that gift. Yeah. So, all right, so the next gift in you're the You're welcome, pile. garbage in the gold. Yeah, you're welcome. So the next gift, you can hire any coach at any time. Now, we're Brett Brown guys, and we hypothetically speak this could be his last year if we don't go so far in the playoffs. But you have this gift where, you know, we could never have Brett Brown or after this year. And it can be anyone. You, you can steal pop if you want. Uh, pretty much – not going too far back. You can't get like Red Hour back or someone. Really I mean, old. I have no frame of reference. And exactly. Would do but either. you have your choice of, any, you know, any time, you know, but from now to back when the process started, you know, you, you, you can. Yeah. Uh, I, I want pop. Okay. It's pretty easy for me. Okay. I love Brett and everybody knows that. And I can't think of a name in the league really that I would probably want over him right now either that is coaching or isn't coaching and i probably wouldn't want pop now but if you're saying i get to go back to like at least like earlier in this decade or even process era like he was still i mean he's still probably peak he's definitely peak then and i think that's a um, like he would figure it out he he would he would be able to get this if nobody else can and i think even without that that Iguodala, uh, I I I need that pop. I, I, if there's one coach that could, I'm not sure. I I don't think I'm giving this gift back in. Um, I'll be curious to see what else you have. Yeah. I don't think I'm giving this one in because this is the if, one. If there's one coach that could, like we talked about earlier, that could get Ben Simmons to start shooting. Well, here's just... here's like I agree with you, and I know where you're going, but but before we even get there, even simpler than that is that Pop would already know by now. That either he could get Ben Simmons where he needs to be, or would have got his ass out of here. That's true. And yeah. I would absolutely take whatever decision he made on that, and and hold it and hold it forever. Like right. if, if if his thing was, listen, I traded him. He wasn't going to do what we needed him to do. He had to go. Pop says that. That's law. That goes. Yeah. I buy it. I don't argue it. I don't. I don't. I don't write an article trying to find out. All the numbers to fit my narrative and and say it should be the other way. No, I I take it like hand the so, god. So you're ch- you're cashing in Iggy at his prime for for Ig- pop in his prime. Yeah, I mean my yeah. uh, my other thing is that I don't know that that's Iggy's prime. Iggy's prime may have been his MVP run against yeah, the Warriors, and true. I didn't get that. His Sixers prime will yeah. Pop. So okay, so someone else gets to have Iggy. The next gift. You get to redraft the number, the third overall pick of the 2015 NBA draft, where we drafted Jaleel Okafor. Everyone always talks about how Hinky wanted Porzingis, but management said no. We we need someone who, in the event if MB doesn't pan out, we we, we need a Okafor guy. And that so, year, so Towns went one, Russell went two. And then I have a list here. So other notable players, you have Justice. 
you're not going to draft these guys, you know, number well, three. Well, so but. here, so before you even read the list, so am I, am I, do I have the benefit of hindsight to know? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. You have the benefit of hindsight. So I know who's good. Exactly. So notable guys in the first round. Um, Porzingis came next at number four. Number 10, Justice Winslow. Number 13, Devin Booker. Number 16, Terry Rozier. Number 23, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. And in the second round, number 40 was Josh Richardson. So well, I already have Josh Richardson, so that would so, be dumb. Yeah. The only one that even makes me think a little bit is actually Devin Booker. Because he would do a lot of good for this team as much as I don't like him. The question is, as currently constructed, where in the hell does he play? Right. I don't know that I can – I mean, I guess theoretically I would probably shift Horford to the bench and start Booker and use Horford exclusively as the backup to Embiid and even at times could have him also play the four as well. He could probably be like the Ben and Embiid backup, really. Is it more valuable than the greatest head coach of all time? Exactly. Is really, really tough, actually. So this is a good one by you. I'm going to say no. Okay. I think it's more important that I have a coach that figures out how to get my two best players to work rather than bringing in a guy who's going to take touches away from both of them and is good but not as good. Right. And it's interesting because I know a lot of people play the whole, you know, what if, what if scenario if we drafted Porzingis. And a lot of people just assume, oh, he'd be your stretch four. He'd be a dream against Embiid. I'm like, I, I don't know if that would work out the way everyone thinks. No, I don't I, know. I've I, never been a Porzingis guy. I think he's a, a stat stuffer, but I don't think he's a winner. It, right. And yeah, I, I just, I don't need it. I, I right. think Devin Booker, it's tough. I think if, if I personally liked him more, it may be even harder. And maybe my bias is getting in there a little bit, but I'm still saying that like he's the only guy that even makes it close. So I'm trying to be balanced. But, I mean, it, it's pop. Right. It's not. Okay. I, think, I think it's more important. So we're keeping pop. The number third pick, 2015 draft, goes back into the pile. So the next, So the next gift, and I know I'm probably cheating here, but – you get to redraft the number one overall pick of the 2017 draft when we got Fultz. Fultz. So, some notable. This is a deep draft, too, but some notables. You had Lonzo at two, Tatum at three, Josh Jackson at four, De'Aaron Fox at five, Dennis Smith Jr. at nine, Donovan Mitchell at 13, uh, 23 of OG Anumobi. You have Kuzma at 27 and Josh Hart at number 30. So, dude, I love. And again, this is with the benefit of hindsight. This is, you you see the future. I love De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. A lot. And it just keeps coming back to, you know, where does a guy fit in with this team now? And so, like, I guess I could do a whole bunch of other things and make stuff like that work, but that's like a whole rabbit hole for this kind of exercise. I I think it needs to stay in a vacuum. And in the vacuum, it's the same thing. I mean, I think for this team, I'd rather 
I I feel bad saying this, but I think I'd rather have Devin Booker than De'Aaron Fox, which means okay. that if I already passed up Booker, then I'm going to pass up Fox. So I think right. I'm sticking with Pop still. Okay. All right. So we I, I we have three gifts left in the pile here. Okay. So you either get to keep your gift of Pop or Ben Simmons has a career average shooting 33% from three. Yeah, but how many does he take? Let's say he takes three or four a game. Okay, so basically he takes three a game and hits one. Right. Is, is, uh, that's, I just have like a career season game average of yeah. 33%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The league average being what? They always say 36, 37. Like 35, 36. Okay. Yeah. So it's slightly below. No, it's, I don't care about that. Not enough? No, not enough. Not enough to trade in for pop. You 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 would take him if it was a, if he was a forty percent right, maybe you know, maybe okay that's obviously better <laughs> right I I I mean in theory, like I said I think either Pop gets hit like one out of three and taking that many a game like I'm bringing in Pop to get him to that point right so essentially okay. I'm betting on him to be able to do that or to be able to figure out that if he's not going to be willing to do it or can't and that's going to hinder my team then he's gonna get him out of here. Okay. So I think I'm kind of that. That's kind of my main thought on wanting pop, amongst several other things. Okay. Okay. So second to last gift, Embiid never gets injured again. Injuries are not a concern, and and this isn't retroactively from from here on out. You know, every time he falls, you don't have to be like, "Uh oh, is he okay? Is he okay?" All those fears are erased. And so that also does that also give me career longevity relief yes like, he's not gonna play till like 40 but he's gonna play until like his mid-30s to his mid-30s yes yeah i want that so we're we're, we're cashing in i pop. think i'm cashing it in because the the thing now is that okay Embiid's what 26 yes i'm i feel i think it, it's pretty fair to say that if the injuries aren't a problem he plays like 35 is like fair. Like I'm not being greedy saying that a center plays till 35. He could obviously play beyond that, but let's say he plays till 35. I get nine more years of that. Pop is over 70. Right. Pop's my coach maybe for the next two Th- years. Two, three, three years. years. Yeah. Taking nine years of Joel Embiid easily. Easily. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Yep. Okay. Wow. So I like that. Like I, I, I'm very stubborn too. And I knew you'd have good ones, but like it, it seems pretty hard to make them like to, to have a lot of balanced ones. And like, great job, man! Like seriously, great job because everyone has been pretty tough. And this is my third trade, so I think that's yeah. pretty, that that's fun. I like it. So the last gift, arguably the biggest gift. I think I know what this is gonna be. Kawhi doesn't make the game seven shot. Oh, from last year. Oh no, I don't. Not, nine years of Embiid. Because who knows what happens if he, you know, he misses it, we lose in overtime. Right. I'm not, you know, no. Nine years of Embiid. Okay. I thought it was going to be some kind of sell your soul for a title, but we're bad for whatever. Yeah, I don't like playing that thing. game. Yeah. I'm not superstitious. I'll, uh, well, a little, a little suspicious. suspicious. <laughs> uh, uh, bonus, if you would have put that, like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take another 20 years of, of process nonsense. Of tank, tank, tankadelphia. If you told me this year's a title, I I want it so yes. bad. I don't care. 
I would trade in ninety. Like, if you told me Embiid retired at the end of this year, but we won a title, I'd take it. I I know people always have this exercise. Like, this is something you hear on like sports radio, online debates, whatever. Yeah, but we're not a, like, assholes. Well, exactly. we are. But, well, yeah. we're reasonable assholes. <laughs> sure. But I know there's always the whole. Would you rather have a really good, consistent team for a decade? Would you rather would have you... a large quantity right. of pretty good pizza or a medium quantity of really good pizza? Exactly. A medium quantity of really good pizza. <laughs> well, All right, well, this has way. been the office quizzo from yeah. Process Potables, but... <laughs> No, that that was that was fun, man. I really like that. So, like, when you were making that, like, did you like, did you have, do you know what your end result would have been? Like, what you probably would have ended up with? I, my end result, I kind of ran through it in my head a little bit, but I, 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 I saved the Kawhi one for last just because I, and I know that game goes into overtime and you don't know, but I just. If we man, if we beat that Raptors team, like there's a part of me I think's like that that could have been our best shot to win a title, man. Yeah, I don't against know. that. Like I you, just you have to go in the Milwaukee. You have to beat Milwaukee, and and you have to beat the Warriors. Right. I don't think they, I was I battling I between they were ready last year. No, but I think between that and just like never having to worry about Embiid being hurt again. Yeah, like, those were that's the one. It's it's still like. My head's going back and forth on on that or pop, but you you have yeah. to take Embiid. He's a generational talent. Yeah, and, and the, any coach thing was I I figured you were going to pick pop. So the other the thing about the hindsight of last year that I think is is not talked about, and I mean I there's no reason to talk about any of it really, but since we are. Like Ben Simmons' defense this year, like all all the frustrations with his game aside, his defense this year, like we talked about how good he was last year, but it's not close. No. He's taken an entire other level. So to your point, with all this, you know, would you, could you, hindsight, blah, blah, blah. If I had Ben Simmons playing this year's defense last year, then maybe I get that thought process a little more. But he was not where he is. That's true. He has taken a significant step. While he was already good last year, like he's literally needs to be in at least, you know, first, second team all defense conversations. If not, you know, it looks like right now, which I, I think is a little fraudulent, that Giannis might actually win defensive player of the year. And I get it, but like, man. Oh, no, no. You ca- yeah. don't you have to kind of offset the fact that like it's a little bit easy to do it when you're like a seven foot fucking monster. Right. Like I know Ben is that too, but he's not. We know he's not the same thing that Giannis is. He's not right. nearly as strong or like ripped. Uh, and 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 dude, like if if this if we meet the Bucks in the conference finals, like when we first signed Al Horford, my first thought was like. Man, Embiid and Horford against Giannis, you know, in the playoffs, that that's, dude, that's going to be big, man. And that coupled with Ben's defense, like his improvement from last year, like that's, that that that's going to be a fun series to watch, man. Yeah, it, it has to be. It has to be Embiid. I yeah. don't think I don't think Horford can. Horford can do it very little. I think Horford's more valuable. Like let Embiid just man him up. He's going to have to be ready for that toll. Yeah. Let him man him up and let Horford be the guy that helps. Exactly. Horford, yeah. Horford is a much smarter guy coming in as the second defender 
when they're not expecting it to strip the ball out to do that and 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 make the right read out of that into the transition whereas right. like even if Embiid gets a steal off of him, like he's just gonna like roll it to Ben and like slow down the offense. Like Horford rips that ball from Giannis. Ben's already halfway down the court, and Horford right. makes that pass. Like and dude, just we're getting way by, ahead of ourselves. Yeah, but. addition by subtraction. God forbid Embiid gets into a foul trouble during a game. It's not fucking Greg Monroe coming off yeah, the bench, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, for sure. Like, that, there's yeah. that. Too. Yep. Um. So my two things to wrap this up are our predictions. So. Technically, the Sixers' next game is tomorrow night in Detroit, but I I don't give a shit. We're looking ahead to Christmas. Hmm. Milwaukee in Philly on Christmas. Who wins? First time we're saying it. It, Right As of now, everybody's healthy. We win, damn it. We have to win. We have to. Now, today, Birds, Cowboys, essentially for the division. Now, I think the deal is that if we win today, that we still have to win next week yes, because if, yeah. da- if Dallas wins next week and we lose next week, even if we win today, we would lose the division. Right. Which is weird. Yeah. I don't know so works, but that's why I keep Got to win the day first. 425? Yes. In Philly. What do you think? I don't feel good about it, but I think we win 24 21. If you can only have today or Christmas, which one is it? Oof. Give me the Christmas Day game. Really? Yeah. Because, you know, I. Because this team ain't going anywhere. No. If, even if we make the playoffs, dude, this, this team's going to get bounced. That's, that's the We're hard. down to two wide receivers, man. We have Greg Ward and a guy. Yeah. I don't know what the guy's name is, but he's a guy. That's the hardest part is I want them to win so bad. I also don't feel good about it, but it just seems like they have to because it, it feels like the last couple times that this that this matchup, the game has mattered, that we haven't won. And I feel like it, it's just never gone very long on either way where yeah. where the, the, the same team keeps winning the important ones. So I feel like we're, we're due. And I feel like as much as I think Dallas is a, a very bad matchup for us, specifically their offense, that – like this isn't this isn't right, but like we've just we've hung on for this opportunity, and I feel like they they just have they'll pull out all the stops, they'll they'll write as much as they can, and you know maybe maybe that Dak injury designation you know plays into it more yeah. than more than anybody was talking about. He's gonna play, but <sighs> it's a man. shoulder injury for a quarterback, yeah, like it's... and for a bad quarterback, so. Yeah. Uh, hopefully somebody in the secondary can play today. I'll tell you, man, at the beginning of this season, I wrote, I wrote an article about how I really thought the Eagles needed to do the right thing and like extend Malcolm Jenkins and pay him even more. And he has had a pretty bad season as far as I'm concerned. I don't think he's been great in the locker room and I don't think he's been great on the field. Boy, would I just love to see him make the play that matters today. Yeah. So my my bold prediction is that Malcolm Jenkins makes a, makes a game-changing okay, like play it. positive for the Eagles. Do you have any thoughts on a specific outcome or player doing anything? Or I think if, if we do win, I think it's just going to be another Boston Scott game where Miles Sanders just – Is I, it I just, a Boston Scott game or a Miles Sanders game? I think Miles Sanders. 
I, I like to see him have another big game. And, you know, if if we win, you know, passing the ball, it's, it's going to be, you know, Ertz and Goddard. Yeah. I th- my f- The reason I don't feel good about it is I th- – one, the Dallas run defense is a lot better than the Giants, and that was the only game where we've seen Miles Sanders get a real running back's share of touches. Right. And I just worry that Doug's going to abandon it early. And I think they win. Yeah. I think they win this game if Miles Sanders runs the ball fifteen times. Oh yeah, I have the feeling he runs it like ten. Yeah, and it's not that big a difference. But the problem is on those five plays where he doesn't run it. Like I feel like Carson's not gonna, not not a, a knock on him, but like you know the pass protection won't hold up. The receivers won't run the right. Like there's so many bad variables that can come from our passing game due to. Inept receivers, Lane Johnson out at yeah, right tackle yeah, again. Yeah, not being out. <laughs> yeah, with uh, with Demarcus Lawrence on the opposite side. Yeah. So it's going to be tough, but you know, no cowards, no cowards. No birds. We win today. Sixers win tomorrow night in Detroit, and then the Sixers win at home on Christmas. I'll be there. Uh, I'm I'm actually heading over to Lots today for this Eagles game. So if anybody listens to this early and you're over there, be uh. Hanging out with uh, the Design Tree guys, with We The Process, with the Philly Special Pod, uh, a whole bunch of other people. Come over, hang out, say hi. I'll be over there. I'm wearing the Eagle Zubas. Nice. So it won't be, won't be hard to miss. And then uh, Christmas Day, baby, taking, taking the wife because we don't really do a lot on Christmas. Don't, don't have a bunch of family Nothing to, to take up our whole day, and I'm going to have a really good time, get, yeah. get, get nice and drunk. And, and, and not to brag, I'll be in Orlando on Friday for the Sixers game. Nice. Do, so, do, a, little, do a little reporting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't think we'll have anything between now and then, so uh, happy holidays to everybody. Uh, thank you for you know this entire year listening to the podcast. Please make sure that you go to processpotables.com. You can find my recent blog post about not wanting Drew Holiday. Uh, you can find our Design Tree store, which if you use the code HOLIDAYS, you get 20% off. We put up a uh, Matisse Seibel and a Norvell Pell design that I really, really love. And uh, you can sign up to the website with like your Google account, your Facebook, whatever, whatever, to be able to get uh, email updates for when pods drop. You can... Uh, you'll be able to get emails in regards to giveaways that we do, uh, both tickets, shirts, or, or anything else, and uh, and just get all updates on Process Potable. So, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Cheers, and uh, trust the podcast.